Welcome to First Time Board. I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title implies, I'm a first timer. This is the first time I am watching all of the Doctor Who stuff. And this week, we are going to be talking about the Lazarus Experiment, which is part of Series 3, Episode 6. And what an episode. So to to discuss everything that happens in this episode, which I have a feeling is a lot more than I'm aware of, I had to bring somebody that, well, she has all of the tidbits, and that's Ashley Martin. Hello, Whovians. <laughs> yes. I guess we could, I, I I could start calling myself that now, you know. I, oh, yeah. You're I am a, a first timer, but I am definitely uh, entrenched in this. I, I really do enjoy the heck out of what's happening, including this episode. So before we start, dear listener, if you have not watched the Lazarus experiment, not experience, it's going to be an experience, but the Lazarus experiment, uh, take a moment, pause the podcast, go watch the episode, come back, because in our conversation, we are going to inevitably give away the plot points of this episode, and we certainly don't want to spoil you. We want to join and share in the fun. So now that you've had an opportunity to watch, let's jump right in, because, boy, there's so much... Uh, First off, um, and this I'm going to go out of order this episode because I'm I'm so excited. There was a lot of what seemed like Gallifreyan symbols all over the Lazarus building. Am I hmm. did, did I miss that? Did did I not see that correctly? Well, I don't want to spoil anything. Um, okay. But there's there's definitely a symbol um, that was around his. Um, machine that he used that you will see later maybe okay. towards the finale okay because the uh, around the lobby especially you know as, as we're meeting like martha's family uh for the second time or the doctor is actually meeting them for the first time uh there there's these banners and then there's like this neon sign and then up in his office there was a lot of what seemed like Gallifreyan symbols, which I'm I'm proud of the fact that I'm starting to recognize that. But I wanted to make sure that it wasn't just me spotting something that's not really there. Yeah, there was definitely one specific one that I won't say anything about. Okay. Um, but I mean, remember the face of Bo said, "You are not alone." Yes, so. and the, and the doctor dismissed it, but dot dot dot. We are not, uh, as we discussed in that particular episode, gridlock, uh, it was, uh, as we discussed in that episode, the doctor hasn't always been right. Uh, Mickey, my dear Mickey, actually said <laughs> it's not the first time he's been wrong. So just because the doctor says something doesn't necessarily make it gospel, makes it true. Um, so, but okay, so... Yes, I'm I'm on the right road. Yay! Um, but <laughs> so this episode kind of had me. It, it was it, it was a bit of a roller coaster because for a second I I thought legitimately like is this really going to be the end of Martha? Like are we going to just dump her here? <laughs> Surprise! Halfway through season, bye. <laughs> right, like it just seemed like you know. I mean, for starters, like the most detailed version of getting to see how the doctor flies the ship with the little trackball mouse thing and the levers <laughs> and the 
Uh, so we, we really get to see a lot of detail in that uh, front. But then, you know, like he's in her room, which, wow, that's a heck of a landing. I mean, he talks about like, especially in this tight space, and then they open the door and they're like in her room. Like, you know, there's, he's pointing out her laundry and everything. Um, but like, why, I, I know that he's mourning still Rose and we have gotten to the point where she's not mentioned but it's implied that that's clearly what's happening. Uh, but after all of the things that he's been through with Martha, like, is is he really like that ready to just move on as a, like, or is he just sort of wanting like does he want her to say no? I don't want to stay. I want to go with you. Like, what's happening there? I think he knows how attached how attached he can get to his companions. Mm. And I mean, obviously he fell in love with Rose and he knows that that's not going to happen again, but he gets so attached. And I think it was almost self-preservation on his part to try to say, okay, well, I said one trip and you know, here we go. This is it. Um, because you got to remember the doctor is over 900 years old and he is used to just having to pick up and move on and watching the people that he loves wither and die. Like he told Rose in the Sarah Jane episode. Um, I think, so I think it's very much self-preservation, but it's not what he really wants. He needs a companion. He needs a friend. Kind of like what Donna said in the runaway bride, you know, you need someone. So when she wants to stay, he's not mad about it. He was just trying to protect his heart a little bit. Okay. Cause it it just, it, it, Something didn't feel quite right, and I wasn't sure, you know, sometimes as a man, sometimes I can be obtuse about what's happening around, you know, I've been told many times that uh, in high school, uh, there were a lot more uh, girls or women that uh, were interested in me, but I'm very obtuse. I don't recognize or realize things like that. Uh, and sometimes that carries on to my perspective, you know, from the doctor's perspective, I just wasn't quite sure whether he was trying to be coy or whether he was legitimately trying to, you know, dump her and leave her back in a room. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, I kept up my end of the bargain. See ya. Uh, but that makes sense. I mean, from everything that I've seen him uh, do, both with Rose and now with Martha, I can I can see him not wanting to get too deep, um, but like Donna said, he he needs that person to anchor him, or else he can go to a very dark place that would not be a particularly good thing for anybody involved. Uh, if the doctor were to go to that to that darkness that is clearly in him, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it's almost like the doctor is godlike in a way. Because, you know, he kind of lives forever and he knows so much more than the rest of us. Um, so it, it was very self-preservational, but he needs somebody. He really does. And Martha is a great companion. Um, a lot of people, she's favorite. I think especially after Rose, because she was so beloved. But I really like Martha. Um, and I've met Frim Agumon, uh at a con before. And she is just the kindest, most bubbly 
sweet person. She's like five feet tall. I felt like a giant next to her. <laughs> um, but I love Martha. I, I'm team Martha. She's not my favorite because you know Rose is my girl. Mm-hmm. But I love Martha. I think she's a great companion. I There is something very uh, special about her that I like in that she seems to she she has that inquisitive nature that the doctor has um and she has that sort of drive that the doctor does at at, at finding out things uh and in a, in a way that you know it, it took rose a while i, I think i discussed mm-hmm. this with the uh, with jamie in that it took rose a while to get to a place where she felt comfortable and understood enough of what was happening to be a more active participant than just sort of the person watching everything unfold. Uh, whereas Martha, almost right away, she was an integral part of the process of finding the information out, of coming up with solutions, uh, of being a willing, you know, you go this way, I go that way, I know exactly what I need to do kind of thing, uh, which was certainly something that we saw Rose do a lot of in series two uh, in, in a big way. I mean, she did sort of come into her own and she was very comfortable in that position uh, so it was. It's interesting to see such a quote unquote young companion, and that she's only spent, you know, a, a short amount of time with a doctor, and yet be so well versed in how to and when to help the doctor uh, in a way that's actually you know needed and and helpful, and when to just sort of say. All I have to do is sit here and wait. The doctor will take care of us, like showing that level of understanding that the doctor is going to come through. The doctor will, um, for the most part, keep his word and and do what he says he can do. Yeah, I think she's a good match for the doctor. I mean, she's a couple years older than Rose. They never really say, but obviously she's older because she's on her way to becoming a doctor. She's almost there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she looks at everything scientifically in the way that the doctor does. Um, so they're really good intellectual matches. And like you said, she seems to take charge a little bit faster than Rose did. I mean, immediately, like in this episode, she's telling her sister, do this, stand behind me. The doctor will do this. I'll protect you. She's very selfless in that way. And she's very, mm-hmm. very take charge. She's a good match for the doctor. Yeah, she's definitely she's definitely a good egg. I liked her, uh, which is why it was it, it was kind of hurting me a little bit at the beginning of the episode where he's like, OK, well, I'm going to let you go. Uh, but then, of course, you know, there's that moment on the TV uh, where the gentleman says, you know, I'm going to change the course of what it means to be human. <laughs> and the doctor like comes, you know, flies back out of the uh, the TARDIS and he's like, no, I'm sorry. Did he say he was going to change what it means to be human? <laughs> I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Right. You know, it, it was just that that's also very doctor. You know, I I was surprised that he was willing to just take off when something like that had just happened right in front of him. Uh, so for him to come back. Uh, but it also does seem like the Jones family is like really well connected. You know, her right. cousin worked at Torchwood. Her sister works at the Lazarus, you know, place like. This is a well-to-do, well-connected family here. 
yeah, that's a little bit different than uh, Jackie Tyler of the Pal Estate. <laughs> yes, well, certainly a, a different class of uh, you know the the British are very particular about their class status and uh, class settings. Uh, so the, the these folks are definitely on a, on a much higher rung than the uh, than Rose's family were, but uh, like how unfortunate for all of Martha's family to like be connected to these horrific places. <laughs> and I, I love the actors that play her family. I mean, like I said earlier on one of my tidbits from another episode, you know, her mom played one of the cat nurses in new earth. Mm. So she's another one of those reused actors um, from earlier in doctor who, and you know, viewers now will recognize her for Bridgerton. She's wonderful on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the actress who plays her sister, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Gugtha Raw. Um, you know, people might know her from the live action Beauty and the Beast. She was Plumet, the mm-hmm. feather duster. Um, and she's going to be in the upcoming Loki series. So I just, I, I always liked those actors and, and I love that they're becoming more, you know, internationally known now yeah as opposed to uh i think we talked about it last week with uh with john that uh if you're or at some point i know it was with john that if you're a british actor you will end up having at some point a role to play in a doctor who episode just like if you're a broadway actor (laughs) you will end up in a law and order of some sort (laughs) exactly um so that's fantastic uh so the the mentioning her family and her mom in particular uh as seems to be the want for the moms of uh, at least the two um companions that i've seen so far they're not at all interested or uh, happy with the doctor when they first meet him uh and martha's mother is no exception uh she wastes no time throwing shade of the doctor's way uh, including uh, the uh, almost obligatory uh, doctor mother slap that happens. <laughs> he does not do well with mothers, does he? And he has that moment where he's like, Keep away from my daughter. Mum, what are you doing? All the mothers, every time. He is dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like we were saying earlier, Tyler. And Francine Jones are so different of characters, but at their core, you know, they have that same daughter to protect them. And she immediately goes on a bear mode in this episode. You know, my daughter's not safe. And she's talking to that guy, that mysterious dude, um, you know, uh, in the way yeah. that Jackie called the government uh, in Aliens of London when she was saying, my daughter's not safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they both have that mama bear going on. So, again, jumping around the episode, we're not going linearly. Um, the, this gentleman does walk up to Martha's mother and says something and whispers to her. And then Martha uh, very assertively, or Martha's mom talks to Martha very assertively about how this is coming directly from Mr. Saxon. Yes. So is that gentleman Mr. Saxon? No. Okay, but no, he's no, no. clearly he's just... a direct henchman for, or a, uh, an employee, or whatever, whatever Saxton is. He he knows him or works for him in some way, shape, or form. Yes, the elusive Mister Saxon that you'll keep being little bruise about all season, and 
also said it was early in the episode that, uh, you know, Mr. Saxon wants to hear about the progress. So clearly he's some kind of investor or, you know, just supporter of this Lazarus venture that's happening. Well, this is in, you know, trying to tie things together. We've heard a little bit about Mr. Saxon in quite a few of the episodes, but it's always sort of a, a quick little aside or throwaway mention, you know, in a newscast or something. To the best of my recollection, this is the first time that Saxon has been directly involved in the action of whatever's happening in the episode, uh, either, you know, through his investment in the Lazarus uh, company or ultimately, you know, the the information that is shared with Martha's mother. Um, this is the first time. Am I correct in, in saying that? Yeah, other time it's just been kind of light mentionings. Um, you know, in the stories we've seen, he hasn't directly been involved with, like Alex in Manhattan or Gridlock, you know, or uh, Smith and Jones. Um, but he's start getting a little more involved. You'll, you'll definitely start noticing that. So we we've talked this whole time, and we haven't really mentioned. Uh, Mr. Lazarus? I mean, that it, it, did we get a first name out of him? I don't recall ever hearing one. Oh, Richard. Richard Lazarus. That's right. Okay. Richard Lazarus. Uh, I, I just, Mr. Lazarus, but uh, he he seems like an interesting character uh, in that, like all like master villains, he has this like <laughs> arrogance about him that immediately makes you want to punch him in the face. But at the same time, you like you really want him to come face to face <laughs> with the doctor and have to sort of wrestle with what that's going to be like. Um, but the I I have to admit I did not see the the thing coming where he was going to turn into like a scorpion human. Like I, <laughs> uh, out of all the things, out of all the curveballs that Doctor Who usually throws. I figured, you know, of course, nothing's going to go to plan. You know, he's not just going to rejuvenate himself and everything's going to be just about him being rejuvenated. Uh, I had no idea that he was going to somehow turn into this like Scorpion King weird thing. Um, <laughs> but it, it I, I loved the explanation that the doctor gives that, you know, this was just it was part of the genetic code. It was just rejected through evolution, but it was still somehow, you know, embedded in there and he just awoke it. Yeah. That, I, it's a very unique explanation because when you first watch this, you're like, okay, how are they going to explain that a human and the doctor mm -hmm. says it's not alien in origin mm -hmm. just turns into this creature. Um, but I was reading, I thought this was really interesting. It says that the creature that Dr. Lazarus uh, devolves into actually is very close in appearance to the centipede and scorpion-like organisms that first made their way into onto land out of the sea over 470 million years ago. Mm -hmm. I was going to so, say, it looked totally very... Yeah, it, it, it looked very uh, ancient and it looked like, you know... Uh, it looked like something that we could have evolved or evolved from uh, or de-evolved into. Um, but 
it, you know, like like I like you mentioned, the doctor always uh, or Doctor Who as a show always has an explanation for everything. And just when you go, oh, the supernatural, they're going to introduce ghosts. They're not ghosts. They're aliens. You know, in uh, the Shakespeare Code, uh, they introduce witches. Oh, they're not witches. They're aliens. <laughs> you know. So I was I was really interested in how they were going to explain away what was happening. And that is a really like fantastic way of explaining the situation uh, in a way that even Martha could understand, you know, because she would have been studying all of this. Uh, so, you know, it's almost like a discovery that as he says it, Martha's like, oh, yeah, that checks out that, that of course, that's what's going to happen. Uh, it oh, just yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it just seems so clever uh, that once again, I, I'm just very pleased with how clever things can be in Doctor Who. Uh, and just when you think you're like, all right, they're going to tie this into some sort of alien part of the DNA. No, no, it's uniquely human. It's just this is part of the evolutionary path and uh and this is what happens if you basically de-evolve by you know trying to scramble your dna or hack into your dna as the doctor refers to it yeah i mean you mess with mother nature it's going to mess back right I, I mean if we if we know anything from uh messing with dna from jurassic park we know <laughs> that uh nature will find a way right <laughs> yes yes it will um, and I, I think we need to talk for a second about uh, Mark Gatiss, who plays Professor Lazarus. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a, a very important guy in the Doctor Who world. He has already written two episodes that you've seen, um, The Unquiet Dead and uh, The Idiot's Lantern. Um, that that gentleman, the actor. Yes. So Mark Gatiss those episodes. is, he's an actor, a writer, producer. Um, he's going to write seven more episodes of the show. Um, he's going to be in another episode. Um, it's a much later down the road. It's a 12th doctor, um, as a different character. Um, he is really good friends with Stephen Moffat, who becomes the eventual showrunner after Russell T Davies leaves. Mm. Um, and also Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat were the co-creators of Sherlock with Benedict Cumberbatch. So oh. he became a writer, you know, producer on that as well. So he is very much intertwined into the Doctor Who world. This is not the only time to be seeing him. And you said he wrote Idiot's Lantern and The Unquiet Dead? The Unquiet Dead. Wow. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's... See, this is... Dear listener, we haven't even gotten to this point yet, but this is one of the things that I love about Ashley because the info that she pulls out, the TARDIS tidbits, as we've started to call them, are just mind-blowing. And I'm, I'm taking a moment here to process the fact that Mr. <laughs> Lazarus or Dr. Lazarus wrote uh, some really good episodes. I love The Unquiet Dead, and I really enjoyed The uh, Idiot's Lantern. So that is, wow. That's fantastic. And here's one more fun fact about him. Um, in Sherlock, he plays his tomes. And spoiler alert, when Sherlock fakes his death, you know, on the top of the roof, he... Uh, 
texts him the word Lazarus to his brother Mycroft, played by Mark Gatiss, who plays Lazarus in this episode. Oh, wow. So everything is interconnected. Trust no one, Mulder. Oh, sorry, that's a different universe. <laughs> all connected. <laughs> it is all connected. Though wouldn't that be interesting to have had an X-Files episode where they investigate the appearance of the TARDIS? <laughs> but anyways. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, wow, thanks. Those, those are fantastic tidbits, and I love that. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked that character. Uh, I, I'm a little disappointed that he's not going to be like, you know, the mastermind that uh, one of the people that doctor, the doctor is going to have to come up against, you know, multiple times. Um, but, you know, a, a very sort of Quasimodo-ish uh, demise for Lazarus. Um you know, last uh, last week uh, we had the episode where um, the the resolution to the Daleks in Manhattan, the 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 evolution of Daleks, the episode, the evolution of the Daleks, uh, sort of concludes this storyline uh, that was very much marred and tied to the uh, Phantom of the Opera. So here we go. You know, here's another reference to another uh, French novel, you know, uh, Victor Hugo <laughs> with uh, the hunchback moment. But, you know, the, the moment the doctor goes, take him up to the bell tower. I was like, oh, there's Quasi. There's Quasimodo. I mean, he's a murderous Quasimodo, but he's a Quasimodo, <laughs> you know, and the bell tower kills him. It's something else that ties into also um, when this episode came out, the Radio Times in England made this point, which I thought was... There was a 1953 um, television show called The Quartermass Experiment. And in that show, um, the monster who was mutated from a man dies in a London church. And uh, in 2005, David Tennant and Mark Gatiss starred in a remake of that TV special. Mm. So the Radio Times was like, hmm, this is, uh, is kind of similar and starring two of the same guys. Is this intentional? Who knows? <laughs> Or is this just the BBC doesn't use as many actors as they should? Because <laughs> they're always using the same two <laughs> actors. <laughs> they're all in it. Yep. Every everybody's in it. Everybody's in it at some point. Um, I think that's it for. I mean, I'm glad that the Doctor does uh, finally acquiesce to clearly. Uh, Martha's wishes, which are to, you know, stay with him uh, and to not be treated like, you know, a passenger, to be treated like a companion, like somebody that he plans to be with for more than just a trip. So I'm glad that that's how it ended. Um, but I'm sure that there is a lot in this episode that I miss. So what did I miss? I mean, I, I don't really think you missed that much. This is another one of those episodes uh, kind of along the vein of Idiot's Lantern, where it's a great entertaining episode, um, but it doesn't have too many far-reaching effects, um, you know, to the conclusion of the season. It just has little tidbits, um, like we've talked about with Mr. Saxon um, and the Doctor and Martha's relationship. Um, but I like this episode. I think it's just, you know, it's not the huge sci-fi 
space, everything is going to do implode episode. Um, but it's good. And uh, you get to see Marks for the first time, who's going to be very important to the show. We get to see who for the first time? Mark Gatiss, who plays Lazarus. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you got cut out a little bit there. But uh, I did. I, I enjoyed this episode a lot. There's a lot of action. And just even if, if for nothing else, but to see uh, Martha interact with her family more, uh, because that was something that was clearly uh, very important to Rose. And we saw in many more uh, instances in those early episodes how important her family and uh, Mickey were to her. You know, she constantly had to keep going back to them um, as opposed to Martha. You know, this is the sixth episode and she's just now getting back to be around her family. Uh, so it was it was fun to see that uh, interaction because, you know, we, we see her family for such a short amount of time and we get the idea that they're, you know, highly dysfunctional uh, from the the divorce and, you know, weird uh, step, you know, stepmother kind of thing. But uh, I, I appreciated the heck out of getting to see more of her sister, more of her brother, uh, the way they react to Martha and certainly her mom and how fiercely uh, protective she is of her uh, in, in, in a similar way that then uh, Rose's mom uh, was, but in a different, more uppity way as well. So yeah. it's very interesting to see the, the, the differences. So for, if, if for nothing more than to get to see her family and those interactions, I really enjoyed this episode. Yeah, and you know, I like those episodes too, where it's more centered around the home life. So we get to learn more about the companions. Um, and it's something that you'll see is very characteristic of the Ray Davies years of the show is, you know, exploring the families of these companions and learning more about them. Um, and I think it adds a good layer to the show. So it's not just, you know, the companion has no life other than, adventures with the doctor i i like that I, I i like a fully fleshed out character and not just uh, a representation or just uh, a two-dimensional you know foil for the doctor to be around but a fully fleshed out character which episodes like this help make martha more uh, more than just the companion she's also somebody's daughter somebody's sister somebody's uh you know the, the and clearly like her her brother is like no she's almost a doctor like you know they they look up to her you know it, and that's important to see i i enjoyed that very much yeah absolutely so this would be the time in the show where i would throw back to you for some tardis tidbits do do you have any extra tidbits you've been layering them throughout the episode but are there any extra fun tardis tidbits ashley <laughs> well, yes, I just happened to have some. When the doctor is talking about reversing the polarity and why it's taking so long that he's out of practice, um, talking about reversing the polarity was like the third doctor mentioned a lot. That was kind of his, not his catchphrase, but something that he said a lot in mm. classic Who fans. <laughs> that. Um, the capsule 
that Lazarus uses to regenerate is actually just a recycled prop piece from last season from uh, the Impossible Planet Satan Pit two-parter. So they just had, you know, it's just lying around. It's fine. We'll just reuse it. Um, oh, I, I thought this was interesting. Uh, when Stephen Greenhorn was writing this episode, uh, the instruction that Russell T. Davies gave him was to make it like a classic Marvel comic where you have a good old mad scientist and experiment gone wrong. You just supervillain on the loose. <laughs> so that was his direction. Um, oh, I, I thought this was very interesting too. They tracked down an old head cast of Vincent Price and the makeup department used it to add the ages, uh, the age and wrinkling look to Mark Gatiss as older Lazarus, as we see him in the beginning. So adding that little horror element to it. That's um, neat. Right? That's that a very like... neat trip. That's amazing. Vincent Price, uh, dear listener, if you are not aware, Vincent Price is the, the voice that you hear in Thriller, the spoken uh, lines that you hear in the song Thriller from Michael Jackson is Vincent Price. And what he was known for was making horror movies or old fashioned horror movies. Uh, and he was like the master of horror back then. So th that's fun that they would use his face as part of the inspiration for the older look. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, who would think of that when they're on these, you know, production budget filming uh schedules and they're like you know what we should uh, try to find a mold of vincent price mm -hmm. <laughs> add it to the prosthetic why not um but i think my favorite thing there's a deleted scene from this episode and if you have the original dvd it's on there or you can youtube it but it's when the doctor and martha are about to walk into uh the gala event at the beginning and the doctor's got on his very smart suit. You know, he looks very snappy and he's rummaging through the pockets and he pulls out a folded piece of paper and it's the Declaration of Independence. And he says something like, oh, I've still got it. He goes, uh, first draft before they got to sticking in the part about the pursuit of happiness. Thomas Jefferson, he was funny, spoke Gaelic, you know. It has nothing to do with the episode. And, you know, you can kind of understand why they cut it, but it was just so funny. And just another tidbit about the doctors, like, yeah, he was there at the creation of the Declaration of Independence. Why not? Yeah, I, I love it when he drops names. Uh, you know, the doctor, uh, I think it was last Janice time. Joplin giving him the code. <laughs> right. In, in, in the gridlock, he was like, oh, Janice Joplin gave me that code. And I'm like, what? I need to know more about that. So I, I would There's I would like, be the same way, you know, if, if he was talking, if that if that scene had been in this episode, I was like, what? I need to see that immediately. Like, I need to see the doctor amongst all of these founding fathers, you know, talking about the Declaration of Independence. That would be fantastic. Yeah, do you think he had a powder wig on when he? <laughs> I'm just picturing the doctor with it on. Like, I mean, I guess it would depend socks. which uh, which regeneration of the doctor it was. Uh, right, right. Because some of them would look, you know, the the ninth doctor would look a little ridiculous with a powdered wig on. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just, <laughs> I just love these little moments. I mean, you could do a whole episode with just little flashes of all of these historical moments and historical right. people that the doctor has met. And, you know, they don't do anything to further the plot, but they're just so funny to think about. 
it's so fun. And we'll we'll pitch that to uh, the BBC. It'll be a little, <laughs> you know, little. They don't have to be live action. They can, you know, we'll animate them. They'll be animated uh, so that it could be the doctor throughout the, you know, all of the doctors, not just uh, the the living ones. And uh, we can take the doctor to all these places and actually show you those scenes. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> well, as always, the tidbits were fantastic this week. Thank you so much for doing those. Uh, and dear listener, uh, if you like the tidbits, leave a comment on the episode. Let us know because it, it is definitely, uh, I'm not just saying it, it's not hyperbole. It is one of my favorite things for each episode. Uh, and I look forward to hearing uh, Ashley's tidbits as we record because uh, it, it always blows my mind. So thank you so much for that. Oh, thank you. I love doing it. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, I have to keep looking out for Mr. Saxon. And uh, thank goodness that Martha is going to stick around for a little bit longer. Yeah, we got to get some more Martha episodes in. She's good. We like her. We we definitely do. So uh, thank you so much, Ashley, for joining me for yet another fun episode. Uh, I think we have you uh, coming back later this season with Jenny Fay for what is what I've been told the quintessential, one of the quintessential episodes of Doctor Who uh, later this season. So we'll definitely be seeing you back in, in the podcast in the very near future. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. <laughs> and thank you dear listener for making it to the end of yet another awesome first time lord and uh, if you want to support the show go check our website out it's firsttimelord.com there you can find our merch shop which has some cool new t-shirts available uh, or some old t-shirts you can buy those there too uh, you can also uh, leave a comment uh, on any of the episodes, this one or any of our previous episodes. Or if you don't want to buy something but still want to support the show, you can click on the Patreon link, which will take you to our my Patreon site, Daniel Levane at Patreon. And there you can, you know, subscribe to the show. But any support is greatly appreciated, including you just sharing this episode with somebody else that could benefit from all of the Doctor Who goodness that we try to squeeze into every single one of these episodes. Uh, so thank you for all and any support. And I guess I'm going to have to jump into my TARDIS and uh, catch up on more Doctor Who. See you next week. <laughs>